in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Good afternoon, Pavel. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. Really good. Uh, really cold in Prague, though. <laughs> really cold in Prague. Well, it's, 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 it's uh, nice and about 15, 16 degrees here in Jerusalem. Uh, but I'm really honored to have you on uh, the Empathize It podcast. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the invite. It's, it's really, really great to be here. Awesome. So Pavel, actually, Pavel and his, and his partner, Jana, were actually, uh, like me, speaking uh, speakers or workshop leaders at Social Engage in Prague. Um, and so it was really, uh, or Engage Prague, uh, run by Social Bakers uh, this past May. And it was really an opportunity to really see some top-tier entrepreneurs, social media marketers, uh, digital marketers from different spectrums. Uh, Pavel, you spoke about something about uh, you and uh, Jana were speaking about a, a side gig that you run that's basically about educating and empowering women uh, to get the, allow them to kind of enter the IT workforce. Am I right? Yeah, it's a, basically a full-time job we have that doesn't really pay very well. <laughs> uh, and we do it, obviously, outside of running our, our company, but those two things are kind of not necessarily interlinked or overlapping, but they are kind of a, in, in the same space and it helps us. So what we do is we run a nonprofit which is uh, which is aimed at uh, enabling women to enter uh, sort of IT and more specifically data analytics space because you know we see the need on in the market for for you know everyone is trying to hire it's difficult there's this the enterprise side is complaining there there's a lack of talent but if you look at if you look at the structure and the demography of of the workforce really it's mostly it, it's it's extremely male dominated and it's actually not getting better if you look at kind of the what the schools are producing so what we look at is kind of upskilling and, and enabling uh, women and we do that through a series of workshops that we do uh, we do we've kind of scaled in the last couple of years into uh, into a couple of different cities around Asia so while I'm while I'm in Prague right now which which is where we have our office as well I'm based around Singapore and Indonesia and Jakarta so we do uh, we do run the workshops in there, Australia, New Zealand, also Hong Kong, Malaysia. So it's just kind of a slowly, slowly scaling up. Uh, we're doing it without any funding, any, any, any really fundraising so far. So it's really kind of a community volunteer driven activity, which is, which is uh, fantastic. That sounds amazing. I mean, for, we're, that's not the fo main focus of what we're going to be talking about, but it really is. You're kind of taking that concept of, like you said, upskilling the women, upskilling people who need, who, otherwise need employment, teach them about data-driven uh, efforts, and also teach them about giving them the skills and the tools to be able to enter the workforce in a professional manner, in a, in a manner and, and in an industry that really needs more women, more technology-based and technology-minded and educated women. And also, more importantly, is companies are looking for not only women, they're also looking for employees uh, in that space, in the IT slash data slash uh, uh, you know, analysis uh, so that's a really an, an amazing, and the fact that you're not doing any fundraising or very minimal fundraising and all volunteer base is only more of a, a, a testament to how much it's needed and how much people are looking for it. So that's awesome. But the reason, Pavel, that we're, we're, we're actually, you know, we kind of secured our, our 
our conversation today is because of a company that you worked that's called uh, Mayro. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Mayro is my uh, kind of a full-time occupation and a baby right now. Uh, mm -hmm. We have, uh, Jan and I, we've been working together for like five years right now. Uh, we actually are both ex-social bakers. This is where we met uh, mm -hmm. in Singapore. And uh, we then started a kind of data analytics consultancy doing all sorts of digital analytics projects, you know, ROI on, on marketing spends, uh, so social media monitoring, uh, more kind of overlapping into business intelligence work and, and, you know, heavier data analytics. And there was a one thing that kind of kept coming up with a bunch of our clients was that everyone is looking for, you know, the, the, uh, the magic pill for, for a single view of customer and uh, the, the worst case scenario, they don't have it. The best case scenario, they have so many of it that so many versions of it that it really doesn't, doesn't work for anyone. And uh, we're kind of like where we are looking at the marketing technology landscape it was pretty, pretty obvious that, uh, that these things are kind of designed not to talk to each other. There's a, there's a huge complexity issue where companies are looking at, you know, dozens of uh, software applications that are not integrated with one another. And, and this obviously, clearly creates a challenge, which we turned into opportunity. Uh, so we, we build a technology around that. Uh, we were really lucky to have a, a, a fantastic uh, a development client who was a, a regional uh, regional leading retail bank. So they they kind of uh, believe in our vision and they, they've uh, invested in us uh, as, as a customer. And uh, that's that's kind of, that's what started the journey about a year and a half ago, which uh, it's been, it's been quite a ride. So we're about 24 people right now. So the team's grown uh, really well. Again, without funding, we've been bootstrapping the company as we go. Uh, and it's, it's been, uh, it's been interesting if I look back right now. It sounds interesting. It sounds like you're really under, you found a real niche, even though you've worked within the social media sphere. And you've, like you said, is it's been difficult to really find, you know, not only find personas, which are very often very generic around specific data sets, but rather to get to that last end customer, the real person that is going to benefit from the marketing or going to see the marketing. We haven't, you haven't really re reached that person, meaning all the data and all the data analysis that people have and all the, you know, AI and all the, whatever you want to call marketing uh, automation and marketing technology that exists really doesn't identify the specific, the end user, the last end user, meaning the individual person. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Um, and I think, you know, the, the challenge we are seeing is that is, is really the data kind of readiness, you know, uh, when, when you look at, any any technology it has if you look at any any kind of crm today in the market it will tell you that it can connect to absolutely anything the problem is this data is is not really doesn't really have the the structure and the bigger issue with that is that if you look at kind of who owns technology today uh, i think there was a tipping point about a year and a half ago where uh, where cmos had actually bigger technology budget than, than uh, CIOs at, at some point. And that's, that's, that's really, that really tells you something because uh, what happens is that you are looking at CMOs and their teams who own, you know, 20, 30, 50 different applications. Uh, but these people know a lot about communications, creative uh, uh, advertising, but they don't know the last thing about data management. And it, it shows because all of these things are live in their separate boxes and, and you can't really connect them as, as it is. So we kind of are, approaching it from like a more like a blanket perspective and we are saying, look, we're kind of going to wrap this up in, in, in one environment where we're going to connect it. The key thing there is absolutely the identification. So things like 
identity resolution, like looking at who are users on the website, being able to being able to identify them. That's that's absolutely absolutely critical capability that we see is is massively missing in the businesses. And and uh, you know, as, as as nice as it sounds to be able to buy third party data and like go out to the market and do collaboration with other brands and, and industries, that's that's great. But if you're not if you're not maximizing the value of what you already have, the assets that you already own in house, not by you know not connecting them, you you're missing out a lot. That's that's obvious at this point. Yeah, uh, absolutely right. If you're not maximizing the data that you have and you're really not understanding who they are in a very granular perspective, you really are missing out on a lot of opportunities to reach your customers and to give them the value that of your product, whatever the product may be, and, and give it to them in a very important direct way. Uh, what I've loved about the um, you know information I received and the research that I did about uh, your company, about Miro, is that your headline, and I think it's one of the best taglines I've ever seen, in my opinion, from a startup company and from a company that's really trying to you know identify who they are, you wrote, your customer is a person, not a data point, right? Uh, not a bounce rate. Uh, and I think, and, and you even said to the point where you said, get it right, right? So w w what happens a lot of times is people who are entrepreneurs or people who are working in the startup space is they're looking to scale up in terms of gaining their you know, traction and trying to get their uh, proof of concept out there and to get more, more, uh, more consumers, more users to, to their site or to their, to their app that they forget that behind every one of those users that they just like to say is, oh, we have X number of thousands or X number of tens of thousands. We forget that each one of those people is a person and not just saying, oh, your bounce rate is high, your bounce rate is low, but like, look at those people. Uh, so where do you, how did you come up with the idea that you're, you know, we're, you're changing the mindset now you're kind of really not only taking your product and changing what people are talking about, but you're actually, you're almost shifting people's, the marketing mindset to say is there's a person behind there. Yeah. Look, I think, I think one of the, one of the things we are, we are kind of able to illustrate this is when you look at, uh, when you look at uh, one, one of the pieces in our product is a kind of customer timeline. And it really is not really much different from what you see on Facebook. Just that the, the only difference is that you see what people do across different, uh, across different, different platforms. And in some of the implementations, when we have, when we have brought in, you know, data from email campaigns, data from a website or mobile app and, uh, and uh, you know, e-commerce systems, it's, it's really clearly, you can kind of then trace the events down back to someone receiving an email, opening it up, clicking on a link, going to a website, applying a code, creating a card, creating an account, checking out and paying and having the order delivered a few days later. So like this is, this is something that's kind of a, a shifting how the marketers perceive it. And I, I believe, you know, that this information isn't really necessarily something that, that enables you to like, change your organization, but it's a really good start in realizing that you kind of can see the customer more holistically now. And then you don't, uh, whereas you, you know, the old kind of the old way or, or I mean the, the, the status quo way right now, would be you're looking, you have a team that looks after the website and that team is, is really concerned with bounce rates, is concerned with conversion rates and that's, that's fine and that's, that's right because that obviously, that's, that's kind of a, a, what you can do. But I think that, that, that having that additional optics that where you are looking at your business through your individual customers and kind of what they, what they do on different, different platforms, this is really, really, uh, really important one of the uh i think one of the kind of a, a great and unrealized i think opportunities that really are is that you know people don't see data as a reusable source and it's it's really important that it is because what we see in companies where we kind of go like the bank example so we go through 
implementation and uh, we kind of structure this data for marketers to use so they can go, you know, and really like find segment uh, campaigns, exclude people who've been recently complaining and, and, you know, all sorts of like really, really fine filters um, through the data that's been connected. But most importantly, then we go talk to the data science team and we say, look, you guys have been doing in bank your, uh, your risk, uh, risk, uh, you know, scoring algorithms and your fraud detection based on transactional data mostly uh, for past 20 years. Would this, would this data set be helpful to you? And uh, the answer is, is, in you know 100% of the cases is hell yeah because this is data we've never seen together we know it exists in the business but no one connected it before and of course it's valuable because it gives us have a more insight into different facets of the customers customer behavior so yes of course we can use it to uh, you know fine tune our algorithms and you know if you look at what a risk scoring algorithm what like 0.1% changed for you know better performance means in a, in a banking with millions of dollars you're you're saving suddenly or, or optimizing for so so that's that's uh it's it's the the other application of the data rather than just the marketing segmentation is is what really kind of fascinates me right now so you're you're saying it's not only about from the marketing perspective in terms of what people are doing and what, what your pro, what your platform or what your what your uh, what Mero is doing is not only adding for marketing segmentation, which is obviously a very important point, but you're also doing is you're adding another layer to the overall business side, meaning that you're saying is we can get you to understand the, uh, the consumer, the customer journey, the customer experience throughout the different components of the site or the product that they're experiencing uh, via your site. Uh, and if you actually watch and monitor what, how they interact with your site and how they interact across different digital platforms, whether it's, uh, I'm guessing, Facebook, Instagram, all the social platforms, plus web behavior as well, so that you can see how long it takes for not only a customer to, you know, to close the circle, but also to see how their behaviors, uh, that can also give you insight for marketing, but it can also give you insight of how to approach them in terms of which is their best angle, in terms of what services they need, those kind of things. Is that, is that my... Yeah, absolutely. Like, look, a practical example. Imagine that you go shopping on Amazon, right? And you've you've purchased few things before. Uh, in any kind of recommendation that you will see, the things that are based on the things you purchased are going to show up. And Amazon might be, you know, like super sophisticated example. So think of it in a kind of like your local regional uh, shopping site or or, or or kind of more more of a local player uh, context. But what you can do if you know uh, if you can take in consideration in that recommendation the products I have also looked at, the products I have left in my cart but never checked out with, or maybe my orders that I've canceled or returned. You probably don't want to be recommending to me items that I've already purchased and returned. So uh, all of these things, I mean, there's just so many applications of how we can use this data once it's structured again and again, you know, to optimize really the customer experience. So I think uh, what we usually kind of, uh, what we usually say in our, in our pitch to, to potential customers is that we are actually in a business of data availability. So uh, for us, it's, it's, it's clear. The value is that we, you know, we structure the data, we connect it, we, we deduplicate the identities. We kind of make sure you're looking at someone you, that your data is trustworthy and then we can make it available to any business and uh, any business user, any, any uh, technology user in the business, whether that's it, whether that's, uh, whether it's analytics teams, whether it's data science teams, or whether it's business users in marketing through different interfaces. So that's 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 really this is really important because it's not it's not a single purpose uh, 
single purpose activation of this data. I think that's, that's kind of often, often neglected. I see. I like that idea that you're not saying is that we're not only for marketing specifically because a lot of times people, you know, when you're selling a new product, you're saying as well, we can understand the applications when you're talking about marketing because this helps your marketing team and fine tune it, whatever it is. But you're saying is the data is available and at many companies, and it's not only, you know, your company is unique that you're saying is the data is available to you and the, the, the resource is available. And now we're taking that data, we're taking that information and we're creating it and we're, we're going to make it available to the different, uh, you know, verticals or uh, teams within your company so that way you can use the same data and, and data, like you said, it's not, it's not, uh, it's data is reusable. And therefore the data that we have that may be relevant for purchasing may be different than IT, but they do overlap. And we just, you all need to know how to make it understandable. So that's, if I understand correctly, Mera really does that. In other words, it's not only for the marketing team, but you're taking all these data points, connecting them together and allowing the, each team within the company uh, to really use that data correctly so that they're making every part of their product, their, their pitch, their, uh, the actual site or the usability of the site and, and improve it. That's, that's, that's very correct though. And there's a, you know, there's a very specific reason why we, uh, why we do go through business through marketing as our first use case. And that's, that's usually because, uh, you know, marketers tend to be the most innovative uh, people in a business. Uh, and I'm going to use that as my famous quote about from, uh, from you, that marketers are most usually the most innovative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they have to be right because they're yeah. trying to sell and, and uh, <laughs> they, they kind of don't have, don't really have a choice, but, but ultimately uh, kind of the downside of that, that, that we really, they, they are kind of locked in a, in a usually kind of, I would say most marketers and I don't, I don't, don't mean it in as a negative comment in any way, but they often are locked in a advertising sort of mindset. So they are really concerned with spending money on media and they are kind of concerned with optimizing that for themselves. But we are really more about, customer analytics. So we're kind of more into uh, customer experience improvement. And that's, that's obviously that goes all the way through customer care, uh, any kind of uh, customer success management uh, in, you know, maybe B2B companies. And there's a lot more that can be, that can be done with that. And there's, there's a whole bunch of studies out there that show that, that happy customers spend more and are a lot more loyal. So, you know, the kind of a, just a simple exercise of, of annoying your customers less should be, should be, kind of worthwhile for a business to consider consider a partner and solution solution like us I'll give you one example from my personal life so uh like where kind of disconnected data just doesn't make any sense so i am um a couple months ago i bought a new laptop so i switched from apple and went to back to windows um wanted to for some reason something a little bit different and i go to uh microsoft's uh, online store and i kind of look around and i pick my pick my machine and i go uh to an uh, offline retailer and i buy it right i register it with my email and all my accounts and i, I set it up and i log in and the first thing i see when i go online is a retargeting ad for that particular uh machine and that ad keeps following me for at least a month and it's become so annoying at this point that i really almost like want to complain about it somewhere and i know I'm, i might be a little bit sensitive in this case because i'm kind of seeing what's happening in the back end but what i'm seeing is like there's simply an information that i am the same person that purchased and the same person that they are showing at they don't know that and that they are not able to connect this information and, and, and act on it in my universe the simple thing you can you have to do is exclude all people who recently purchased from all advertising and that just solves it right so 
for X period of time because you know from your business model that I'm not, if I bought a laptop right now, I'm not going to buy, uh, I might buy an accessory, but I'm, I'm not going to buy another laptop within the next you know, 30 days. So right. you probably are wasting your money. And I understand that impressions are cheap, but you are also annoying the hell out of me, which obviously that's maybe not, not the best uh, business. Right. Intent you, you, right what now. you would suggest is saying is, let's say we use the Miro product. You're saying is the Miro product would tell you as well, this person that you've matched the social, the email, the, all the different components together saying is Meru would say is, okay, look, we've just created, this person just created, bought this laptop. He's now into a new set. He's already a customer. He's a consumer. He bought the, he bought the, the laptop. So instead of selling him on a laptop or retargeting him to ads on laptops or things that, uh, let's go specifically a, a laptop or a different, uh, different product line of laptops rather within a week or two once you know once we understand that he's the laptop's been shipped let's offer him ads about accessories whether it's screens uh whether it's monitors keyboards mice uh you know all the different uh, things that he might not have bought or he might consider since he's already a, a customer of ours so, you know, absolutely yes you're taking 100 right you're taking the data of the person who's a customer matching to all their different experiences online and then saying to the person, okay, we've, seen, we've matched this person, we identified who he is, instead of taking and spending more money in your ad online about a product that he's already bought, let's put him into a new category and, put, and, and create an ad or put him into the ad category that is matched better to what he actually needs as opposed to just spending money on both. Because right now I'd imagine that many teams are spending money on marketing on both, you as a customer and you as the potential customer for additional products. That's that's ex exactly right, you know. And uh, if you kind of uh, you know, a lot of people have this experience. So so this you know, buying a computer, it's kind of like you know, once every few years, maybe you do that, or or your works provides provides it. But have you ever bought um, something on Booking.com or Expedia or something sim similar site? Like you look Absolutely. for flights or, or hotel. And how many times have you seen ads for the same hotel that you just booked uh yeah. on your facebook I can't, I can't or, count uh, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so it's exactly the same problems just a different industry so so yeah you obviously see what we are getting at right <laughs> yeah so and and you're working with what kind of clients are you working with your customers are you working to reach are you looking to specific uh product companies uh, enterprise uh, yeah so our kind of a target target audience definition is something we're kind of working through we have uh, several implementations already i would kind of classify them as mostly larger enterprise and one thing we are specifically looking at is companies that have uh, kind of a some some uh, complexity created by having old and new so if you look at you know a, a usually a, typically a, a bank might have a custom crm application that a hundred people is managing for them and that's a that's a really difficult thing to integrate to and with and in the same time they might have some more uh, a lot more modern uh, marketing cloud stack that kind of does, doesn't talk to the other part and there's complexity like that so that's 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 something we really like uh, so it's kind of like a older uh, enterprises so you have, that you're working enterprises that have both the legacy data plus new data kind of like you said is old data from you know traditional crm styles that they created themselves back in the old days and now the new cloud-based like you said cloud stack which is like a much more new fresher easier to manage so you're taking both sets of data exactly yes that's 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 where kind of our sweet spot is another one is uh what we are realizing is that we've built the application uh, you know i don't want to be too technical here but we've built the application for kind of a, a 
complete flexibility in terms of location and hosting. So we can we are kind of arguing against the stream a little bit here, and we actually build the app for on-premise because when we are looking around our focus market, which is which is Asia and Southeast Asia specifically, uh, a lot of the kind of uh, regulated industries have have uh, kind of a severe limitations on on where they can have their data hosted. So a lot of cloud uh, technology solutions are completely out of question for them. Uh, so we've kind of designed those systems so it can live in cloud provider you're using, whether that's AWS or Google, or it, you can also have it in your in your own private data center completely, uh, you know, without internet access and and completely secure under your control. So we kind of we kind of support wow. that, and that's a, so that's a, that's another big, uh, that's another complete layer of what you're doing is you're not only giving them saying is we'll work with what you have the the actual you know data center that you might be working with, like you said, AWS or, or Google, but you're actually going to say is if it, you can't work for whatever reason with those two, you were going to actually create a way that you can do it securely on your own server. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've kind of a, we had an advantage of having a, having the ability to design this around a customer who is who is giving us a really strict uh, regulation framework around banking. So yeah, we kind of uh, yeah. it's a great yeah, it's a great we, space to work with because they're so limited. You have a lot more creativity that in order to how to put put the pieces together to make sure that it works for them. Yeah, we, we really kind of fully appreciate it only right now when we kind of go talk to other industries and we're saying, you know, we meet with IT security people and procurement and they are like, hey, here's the five things you need to adhere to. And we are like, yep, already have them. Here's a checklist and there you go. So this is this is really this is really good because no, you know, no one else is stricter than, than banks in terms of uh, security. Uh, so that's 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 fantastic. So you've you've taken this concept of putting the customer back in the front of the, of the, of the tape of the efforts of a team, whether it's for marketing, whether it's for business, whether it's for the entire company, you, you've really taken the data and put it back into putting a face to that, right? So when you're considering this and now your job is to create the product, you've created the product for and solution for other companies. But when you're, when you're telling that, when you're, when you're pitching this, how do you make sure that they understand that there's this, you know, I'll call it a soft skill or making sure that they kind of put that, that, you know, they bridge the gap between what the data is and the, the person that's behind the data. How do you make sure that they understand that need for uh, realignment or readjustment of what they're up until now looking at as just another data point? How do you, how do you get them to do that? Uh, this is really, really tricky though, actually. Um, you know, I think, I think from uh, I've done enterprise sales for a while, and obviously I understand kind of the, how you how you have to communicate, you know, value proposition, and how how this is kind of a difficult in uh, uh, situations where the solution might be a little bit more innovative, the company is a little bit more behind, so you're kind of a little bit ahead of curve. I think what what's important is to, like if you really bring this home for them, if you kind of uh, show them the visual uh, layer, and uh, it's, it's really important to. Kind of personalize this pitch because if you're going to talk to marketer, it's going to be very very different than if you are talking to an to an IT network uh, uh, owner. You know, uh, that's 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 one. And kind of if you usually if you in a nice way kind of catch them red-handed a little bit, that sometimes helps as well. So an example of I've gone through a through a pitch to uh, a bank that I actually use as I'm a customer of, so I, it was a little bit different. And you know, I kind of show them here's you know the seven emails that you guys have sent me in last uh, in last uh, 14 days, and they are all promotional, and they are clearly, in my opinion, coming from different uh, departments and different teams because they are based around different products and offerings. 
And they obviously, there's no one in the business who has an idea of how many emails I've sent because everyone from that team is tapping into, into the same database. So if you kind of, if you show them the problem, that's, that, that's, that's, you know, non, non uh, invasive in a non invasive way. And you then suggest the solution. I think that that works really well. So that, that's kind of a, that's, that's how we, how we've been so, getting around it well, usually. Well, I, 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 first of all, I think that's a great tactic is I, I doing when you do your research correctly, before you go into the pitch, you're actually understanding who the, the a customer is in this case, you as being an actual customer of the bank, you said as well, what would happen if they understood what I experienced? And a lot of times businesses or especially entrepreneurs don't understand when that they're going to pitch and they're trying to tell the story of how they came up with the product or they're coming up with a way to sell the product to a potential partner. They don't necessarily look at it and say, let's put myself back into the customer's shoes. Let's put us, but let me, in this case, you, you said, as I am your customer currently. So selling me on a, to become a customer of yours is irrelevant. And also every department who's using the, whatever, like you said, the data set of potential customers or, you know, you customer or email addresses that we have, you're not necessarily putting them all together and saying is let's make the links between all the different sets that we have. You're just saying is, or all the different pieces of information we have, you're just saying is, well, well this is the data set. So let's just keep on blasting the data set. Yeah, exa exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of the, the other side of that uh, for us, and um, uh, I, um, uh, that's probably going to sound like I'm uh, complaining a bit, but uh, one thing that I find very difficult is if you look at especially marketing technology, uh, the kind of a, the software companies are really, really, really good at marketing themselves. And if you look at the, you know, the prospectus of every single SaaS provider in marketing space, it kind of looks like everyone can do anything almost. Yep. And yes. that's what's their PowerPoint say. Uh, but in reality, then if you actually talk to customers, it's the reality is very, very different. So it's really difficult to, you know, pitch what you do because you are just saying exactly the same thing that everyone else is saying. I think when, where we are kind of approaching it is we understand that this is never about software 100%, right? It's about the processes and, and the people and the know-how that's kind of partially built into the product, but also comes the expertise that comes with that. And we have, through our consulting practice, we have seen, you know, a dozens and maybe even low hundreds of data sources that we worked with. Uh, we kind of know every, uh, every kind of little quirk of every data type that you might have. And that's, that's we, when we kind of explain this to our clients that we know uh, if they work with, say, you know, a, a particular web analytics data source, we will tell them exactly what they should expect and they will run into it in, in you know, in next few steps by themselves and they will realize that we know what we talk about. So I think this, this expertise, uh, this credibility that we have built up, uh, I think is the combination of us being like a real partner to a customer and not just providing a nice shiny software box that's that's a really hard value proposition to pitch to someone you don't know who doesn't come out of the network but uh once you establish it and it takes time to do that it's it becomes really uh really powerful actually because it's a, it's a big differentiator because all in my mind you know most software companies only care about a kind of a software revenue and and uh the implementation is just something they have to do out of necessity but i do actually think that these two things need to come in hand in hand and it doesn't work otherwise really then you kind of are looking at the downside is obviously core adoption rates and, and high, high churn rate on, on, right. on the software I, I itself. Sure I understood that. Can you yeah. repeat that statement about you're saying is that most software companies, they use the implementation more of a necessity as opposed to, as opposed to taking that implementation as part of the, you know, kind of being 
focusing is yes, we our software does meet your needs, our solution does meet your needs, but we don't necessarily the once we've made the sale and we've made the pitch and we made and secured the sale, then the 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 next step of the implementation is where most of the companies kind of drop off. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that often kind of gets handed over to you know a partner or whatnot the implementations, and I think it's more it has something to do with the setting of the expectations as well because I think sometimes sometimes the expectations of the customers or the prospective customers are being sold is that this is a magic box that you know you plug it in and and your life changes around and it's it's with software especially with like high complexity situations like these we are solving with um, identity resolution of customers. That's not, that's not exactly that. There's, there's a lot more work that needs to, needs, needs to happen. And I think people are, people tend to focus, the software companies tend to focus on the software and less on the service and the expertise that comes with that. And I, I see that as our, those are two things are something that you can't really separate if you, if you, if you are to succeed here. Right. So as you're saying software companies, and the customer success need to be much more focused and you know, kind of put together. Meaning you're saying it, that software companies should be creating and marketing their company when selling it, but at the same time is don't drop the ball where in your experience is that they most of the time they drop the ball at the customer success or the customer implementation phase, which is really probably more critical in terms of the life, the life, the, the long-term value of the actual customer. Yeah, I think I think look, I, I'm sort of right. I think if I, if I've seen in my in my career so far, uh, any software companies, if you ask them what's their the biggest problem, uh, everyone almost everyone without ex- without exception will say it's a retention of customers. Right? They can sell them, but they can't keep them, or they can keep them, but it's expensive to lose them. So uh, that's just, that's just something that kind of shows that. That, that maybe that service level is, is not there. And I think while obviously we are a software company and we are building a software company, I think uh, we're like consciously trying not to neglect the the, soft, the service element around it and really like being a kind of a support partner for uh, for the customer uh, because it's not, it's it's people who are onboarding it and, and you really need to, you know, really need to keep your, keep your sort of uh, eyesight on that. Right, now my question is, you could. You're correct in saying that there's a lot of times the customer, you know, once the software has been sold and the customer has been, you know, secured. So yes, the company may say, is, "Okay, we've got it now." The implementation may, you know, they may drop the ball, but there is also some sort of responsibility. Or maybe it's the question that, you know, I'll put it the other way. Say is maybe it's the responsibility of the customer, the the, the company, and the customer, but also the customer. More importantly, is to say is, what is the you know over the course of time and have a check in saying is. Are, are we reaching or are we achieving the goals that we need to achieve out of this product? I mean, it's not, you can't just blame the company and say, okay, the company did, did a good job in selling us. And now that they've done it, they dropped the ball. Maybe it's the customer's responsibility as well. I'm asking the question, not because I'm trying to, I'm, for the sake of an argument, right? In other words, it could be that the customer needs to do some work as well saying is, well, we, we said, they said that we would be able to do X, Y, and Z. We got X, Y, and Z, but we all, we, Z was not perfect. And now maybe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like um, when I when I said when I said this is about creating expectations that may, may not be accurate, um, I didn't say who creates them. That might be that might be very well the internal team and the client side. So that's that's oh, there's obviously two sides of that, and and I would not you know go as far as to say this is this is purely to be blamed on one side. So so you're absolutely right. So that's that's uh, that the internal onboarding. If you don't have those champions, they are going to push it, and they don't have a tie to like real. 
real business goals are uh, sometimes you know in, in software space again you often often see that companies are adopting technology just because some sort of advisory firm said so and so you know that's what they're going to buy this year uh, and you you see that it's maybe not necessarily strategically linked to their objectives but they you know that's that's you don't get fired for uh doing what Gartner says you know <laughs> so that's that's what i do often <laughs> right now so you, you've Excuse me. You've identified a, a very strong, a very unique niche in terms of the, the need of the customer that is to t take, take data sets and to take data points and to really look through the entire company's uh, set of data, uh, both from you know, existing customers, past customers, uh, the length of the customers. You're taking these data sets, creating a full picture and a full perspective of what, uh, what, what a customer actually looks like and you're giving him a, a name, a face not just like a persona, which is usually sometimes very generic, but rather you're giving specific saying is, yeah, you, Pavel, you are a customer in our bank. You've been a customer of our bank for the last X number of years. You've the following services you've used from our bank. You're, you're putting it all together. So that's one side. The other side is you're saying is, well, now here for company X, Y, and Z, uh, you're, you're, giving that, you're, you're selling a software, you're selling a, uh, you're selling a product to them and saying is, we can help you enrich your entire team because of this information. So you have these two things, these two products, which are very important, and they're very. This is a very important layer of what, what your what Mero does. My question is, when you, when you started out and when you under identified it, how did you make sure that your the customer or the end user was really was really crying out for this kind of thing? Was it from your own experience working with customers? How was that? How did you come up with that idea in terms of making sure that your sensitivity to what you, your initial uh, thought or your initial hypothesis was really proved correct? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think we really try not to be developing things in a in a you know in an isolated uh, sandbox. Like I think this interaction is really important. I think from the very beginning, before we even started, like we basically started in interviewing and scanning out industry people from you know different size of companies across across the uh, the sort of the roles that we saw interesting for for this. And it's not something that I think we're not building what I think is good for the market, but we actually ask the market what they need. So I think this is this is the the only you know if you put ego aside uh, you know the people will tell you what they need. So uh, as much as I have ideas, I they are not always right. Uh, so um, that's that that's I think the only kind of way how to get it how to get this right. To be to be quite honest, Just get that constant feedback cycle and have people kind of who are you know whether it's a formal advisory board or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think I think getting this input from who are the real end users, buyers, people who sign up the invoices on this, uh, that, that's that's really important to kind of see what they what they struggle with, and and that kind of empathy is is what really is sort of breeds success later on. I I, I think hundred percent. I think a lot of times, and you mentioned it before, a lot of companies don't necessarily view and say, "We've created a product, we're going to sell the product the way we think it," as opposed to coming back and saying, "Is we have whatever number of thousands of users, and let's find some you know generic." You know, we could put them into categories and then get some more feedback from them, uh, interact with them, understand their needs. We've created a product. They're using the product. Let's get some more feedback and see if we, can, we need to fine tune it. We need to make sure that our marketing is talking to the, who they are, the right people, and to making sure that even though once they're our customers, we don't need to market to them anymore. We rather we need them to be doing is extending their life, the, the, the long-term um, relationship that they have with us because the retention and extending the retention that they have with us rather than trying to sell new ones we should be upselling them and a lot of times companies don't necessarily view it 
as, well, we're doing, like you said, they're firing to the same data sets all the time. So they're selling one thing. They're marketing to them in terms of upselling. So they're selling the product that they're already customers. They're upselling another and another set of uh, another uh, campaign. And in the third campaign, they're trying to do is you know inform them, give them you know other information about the the area, about the space. So they're really doing is actually, and, and you mentioned it before, which was a, a really unique uh, you know way to look at it. Saying is you're spending more money doing it this way as opposed to just saying is if we know who the people are that we're talking to we're actually doing is and we understand that who they are and we've taken the the um i guess if you've taken the the relationship and understand that there is uh, you mentioned it, empathy and you're empathizing with the other side of the, the table that is the customer and empathizing and building in their 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 points from from the entire time from the moment that you create the product throughout and fine-tune the product all the way uh, throughout the system, then then the product is actually a, a better product, but also more importantly is you're spending m your money more efficiently. Yeah, I, I you know I can completely sign that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know from from our perspective of like from a company building a product, that's that's also also interesting, right? How we how we take an input and how much this is our own decision. And I'm really kind of on the fence here when I I the the one quote I really like uh, from from Henry Ford, and I especially because I don't really agree with it all the time, is you know the one about uh, uh, if you ask your customer what they want they will tell you that they want faster horses whereas he wanted to build a car right and i i don't necessarily believe that's 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 right i kind of think yes you have to yes you, if you're building a completely innovative product that's that maybe this is applicable if this is something that hasn't been done before but if you were really doing like an incremental improvement and in enterprise as they kind of move slowly and steadily obviously this is an incremental improvement all the time the the if you ask your prospective customers what they want they will tell you really they will because they know what they want they do they know where they struggle and they know what they don't have so the only thing you have to you have to do you have to ask them and that's that, that's that's where the magic is i think what gets in the way of that is is often ego of people who do you know technology startups like because they know better right and right. they they build stuff and they they put their own projections into that and i i kind of don't really think that's uh, that's the best way to do that Absolutely. So we're getting close to the end of the um, the conversation that we're having, which I think is really interesting. And I love the idea of really putting back the, the person back into the customer because a lot of time, even though it's kind of standard, it should be standard that companies really do put the person at the face of what they're doing in their efforts. You're, it seems like from what I understand and what, what we've discussed, you're really trying to do that and putting it back and really understanding and also showing real value in terms of cost efficiency and you know, and being being an effective team and effective company because you're showing how sometimes the information that they're using is not necessarily being used correctly. So now I'm going to shift a little quickly. I like to ask always ask questions. You've you've built this company. You're also working on a side, you know, amazing venture in terms of empowering women, empowering them to be more technology minded and be more into the, that space, which I think is very important and very necessary. And you're obviously reaching successes both there, uh, both sides, both in Mayro and also in this in this company, in this project. What else? Where, where are you going in the next couple of months? Maybe the next year? Where is Mayro going? Where? What would you like to reach? Uh, right. Uh, that's that's a so you know with with Mayro, what we really need to do this year, we will probably look at uh, we've. we've 
kind of our meeting our milestones. So we've built a product, uh, bootstrap the company so far. So the growth isn't as, as crazy fast as it could be. Obviously, if we had a bunch of billions in a, in a bank. Um, so we've kind of validated the idea and we've, we've kind of opted in for more, say, guided and planned uh, growth than, than really aggressive kind of uh, all-in bet. Uh, so that's, that's what we have done so far. We have um, kind of our developments. It's in Czech Republic, which is where I am today. But our kind of business hub and analytics is more in single we're really oriented towards Southeast Asia and this year uh, where we will probably uh, kind of initiate an, an early investor talks uh, in a next quarter and we would like to be kind of raising our our C or A round uh, around second half of this year uh, which is uh, simply uh, money we want to use for uh, scaling the business because we think the kind of the product is ready for uh, scalability it's, it's been proven we have uh, really some some brilliant customer references um, uh, that we already kind of have achieved on our own so we just feel that we are kind of getting ready to take this uh, into the next level and that probably means uh, scaling around Asia I think one of the things we've kind of tried to do differently uh, from the you know the usual startup book is we are completely neglecting Western markets we are we're saying no to US it's too competitive we are saying no to Europe and we are for for the time being kind of focusing on Asia because there's you know, a couple million people, couple billion people that that uh, uh, like because once you've proven success in Asia and you've kind of you know quote unquote conquered the air, the Asian market and under and, and really shown success there, then going back into the Europe market, European market, or going back into the you know the larger North American market will be much easier because your concept is we've done we've gone to Asia, we've done Asia, and we know how to do it correctly. So now taking that same you know same skill, same product, and flipping it back into a much more competitive market. You, your proof of concept is actually much stronger as opposed to trying to reach a market which is very much uh, saturated and very much, um, you know, every company tries to reach there first. So you're doing, kind of doing it backwards, which is a great yeah. approach. Exactly. So, you know, our kind of when we are looking at where we're going to grow in terms of opening up offices, we want to be North Asia and South. So we would probably open up an office in Sydney or Melbourne, uh, kind of looking at uh, Australia, New Zealand, which is typically the place where software companies even with, with you know, X rounds of funding um, and then scale kind of go last. So we are looking at the less saturated markets, which are which do hold some opportunity for us. And the Northern Asia kind of looking at, you know, from Hong Kong, possibly to Taiwan. Uh, looking at uh, OEC Korea and Japan, uh, if these economies are still growing really fast compared to the rest of the world, so they are. This is this is fantastic place, and it's just the optics from Europe. You know, it's people just don't realize how big it is. And I, I do believe you can actually build extremely large and successful company and still be just in Asia, just because this is, these markets are so huge that it doesn't it doesn't compare to anything in in European scale or even even US. It's it's a uh, it's where you know. I was saying this. Uh, some people were the the nineteen ten people were moving to to uh, US. The uh, two thousand uh, something people were moving to to Asia, and that's that's really where the action is going to be for uh, next uh, next couple of decades. So that's where we really are focusing. That's awesome. I love the idea of con- I love the idea of really taking a market and saying is we're okay if we just if we're just successful in Asia it's awesome if we can get to I mean it's obviously better if we can get to the next stage and go even bigger but if we could just be successful in Asia then we've been we've, we've proved our success and we've built our, a business that's 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 uh, that we're proud of which is amazing um, now so last question for you is if someone if there's a company or a business that wants to reach hear more read more about Mero and its concept is there a place that we can go to and I can you know put the links back into the into the summary of the podcast 
Absolutely. Our website is up and running. It has a basic information about product. We're still working on that. So that's Meiro, uh, M-E-I-R-O dot I-O, or anyone could reach me just by typing my name into either LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I'm pretty social. Uh, so uh, that or just Pavel at Meiro.com, P-A-V-E-L at Meiro. Uh, we would love to uh, talk to anyone who could be a potential partner would like to work with us we're looking at talent uh, as well so uh, really interesting people I'm, I'm super open to connect awesome so thank you so much Pavel for your time and really uh, I'm really impressed with how you're taking not only the data and also not only you're taking the data as a product and saying here's the product that we want to do and enrich and enrich the company's lives and success their successes by giving them better use of their data but you're also doing you have a social cause to it at the other side which obviously like you said the overlap now is you're taking this and educating women, say learning how to, to mine this data and to not mine it in a negative way, but rather to use the data and to understand the data so that way the companies that the, are who are either protect, potential partners or potential customers, but even existing customers, are more uh, educated about how to use the data correctly. So I really like this, you know, this full view of what's going on, and I'm, I'm very impressed with it. So I really want to thank you for the time and wish you a lot of luck with what's going on. Uh, and if there's anything we can do to help, and I look forward to seeing more successes, uh, in the future of, uh, of Miro. Thank you so much for doing great conversation. Really, awesome. really, really enjoyed it. Awesome. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it. <laughs>